0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Some of you have been here from the very first service. Others are new, but I'm telling you, God's doing a good work and I kind of just want to emphasize some things along those lines here out of the book of 1 Corinthians today. I want to preach a little bit about the foundation of a spiritual, and I thought really about t- entitling it the foundation of a fruitful ministry, a fruitful ministry. My heart has been on the subject of fruitfulness in regards with it being our ninth anniversary. Um, you know, like there there's there are certain things you can study that people take to the nth degree, but I do like studying numerology uh, to a certain extent, to a bub- biblical extent. Some people just go nuts with it, uh, you know, and count the count the lines in Nebuchadnezzar's toenails and come up with all kinds of interesting things, things of that nature. Uh, but when you stay within the Bible, with biblical numerology, you see uh, if you've studied the Bible and read, you'll start noticing certain numbers repeated over and over again. You know, sevens and twelves and. Forties, uh, you know, ones, twos, threes, nines is another number. Sevens and eights, and they all have a. Uh, they all have the, any they're mentioned. It seems like they're always in a certain context. Um, and with the with the number nine, the number the cool thing last year, the number eight is the number of new beginnings. Number nine is the ni- is the number of fruitfulness. There's nine fruit of the spirit, for instance, uh, fruitfulness. And so, what is the foundation of a fruitful ministry? A fruitful ministry, and I believe. God's Word gives us some instructions here, and it's just a good reminder to me as the pastor, to each of us as church members, to be reminded of just trying to make sure that we keep the main thing, the main thing, what it is that has gotten the job done, that's going to get the job done. Uh, one thing I want to say very very clearly is as thankful as we are for every soul that we've seen saved for every uh, person that we've seen grow, for every home that we've seen strengthened, uh, for every new family that has become a part of this church, to the, from the building uh, to uh the way God has blessed financially just right on down the line to, to God calling preachers out of this church. Uh, every, we, we are thankful and grateful uh, to so much for all of that. But at the same time, we're not content. We're not, we're not settling on any of that, right? Why? Because God has so much great, more greater things to do. There's so many souls that need to be saved. There's so many lives that need to be changed. Uh, There's so many, there's more churches that need to be planted, amen? Uh, There's more homes that need to be be put back together. There's more lives that need to be, and and minds that need to be put at uh, peace and ease and there's more people that need to get straightened out uh, in, in emotionally, financially, spiritually in their lives. And so there's a great work to be done. Uh, man, now more than ever, we need you. We need each other. We need everybody in this church using their gifts, finding a way to serve, seeing a need. You know, there's a thing sometimes in human nature. We can see a need and say, boy, I, w- I sure wish the church would do this or that. But remember who the church is. It's us. And so I'm thankful for the folks that sometimes you'll think, boy, it'd be nice if the church did this, and then you realize you're the church, and you say, hey, preacher, I can do this. I can help with this. I can lead in this way. And so, uh, so so, just keep on using your gifts, keep on serving. I mean, listen, make a difference for what matters now and uh, what matters now that's going to matter in eternity, all right? And so without any uh, further ado, let's get into the foundation of a fruitful ministry here in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter number 2. I want to kind of preach through this chapter. I don't want to preach the entire chapter as far as really verse by verse as I would like to do because I'll, I'll have to skip some for the sake of time. I do kind of have on my heart, I'm praying about dealing out of these few chapters for a couple of weeks, but we'll see how the Lord leads. But he starts off there in verse number... Well, first of all, let's read verse 31 of chapter 1. Let's finish chapter 1, then we'll start into chapter number 2. Because he says that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And what's the first word of chapter 2? And so that's why you want to all if you if it starts with that, you want to go back and say, well, what would the last chapter say? Because this is just a continuation. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. So the very first thing he emphasizes here is a spiritual purpose, a spiritual purpose. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Ultimately, all the praise goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And when the Bible says, he that glorieth, one of the cool things, I like that word glory. I like the word glorieth. And literally, it carries the idea of boasting, boasting, boasting. Do you like to boast? I like to boast. We ought to be boasting. But we need to be boasting of Christ. Boasting about what Jesus has done. In other words, bragging on him. Let him that glorieth glory in the Lord... The Bible says, give praise to whom it is an honor to whom honor is due. But you know how we just, before we started the message, we were recognizing those that have put in labor in these specific areas. But i tell you how that goes. I can can guarantee with everybody that was uh, received a compliment or any praise today, you know how it went? It went to that person then straight up to God. Amen? Because we know that ultimately we all ought to be in hell right? Uh, that we're not worthy, uh, but we know that we've been made worthy by the by the Lord Jesus Christ. We know it's God that has put in the hearts of this church to work and to see things done for the glory and honor of God, and so he gets the glory for it all. Let him that glorieth glory in the Lord. Notice the declaration here, the spiritual purpose. He says, I came not in uh, excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The spiritual purpose, we see His approach. What is His approach? Folks, it's an emphasis on the work of the cross. It's an emphasis on Jesus Christ. It's an emphasis on the work that He accomplished at Calvary. That's still the message. That'll still get the job done. The Bible still says in Romans 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Folks, it's a spiritual purpose. There's a declaration. There's a certain approach. See, he says, I did not come with excellency of speech. I did not come with excellency of speech or wisdom. Now, You know, if you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, you know that he was an educated man. This does not mean that we don't study. This does not mean that we do not appeal to the intellect of man when we preach the Word of God. I believe the the gospel is challenging. I believe the Word of God is challenging intellectually. If you want to say from a philosophical standpoint, however, if, if the emphasis becomes on the excellency of speech, If it becomes on, I am such a great orator, and I am so smart, uh, that's not what gets the job done. We need to, as a preacher, folks. Believe me, I dig. I, I want to grow more. I want to learn more. I want to get deeper. I want to get wider. I'm, I, till, till the day I die by the grace of God, I'm trying to learn more. I'm trying to dig more. I'm trying to understand more. Because when I stand behind this pulpit to preach, I want to be able to preach to you with knowledge. But th- it's it's not just getting knowledge that's going to get the job done. We get knowledge for the purpose of being able to better expound the word of God. But all Ultimately, folks, it's not about excellency of speech. And I thank God for that, or I'd be in trouble, amen? And I could say the same thing with wisdom, or I'd be in trouble. But i tell you what it's about, folks, it's about declaring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what gets the job done. I mean, listen, I'm glad, as I mentioned earlier, that the Bible addresses the needs of man across the board. But I'm telling you, there's some churches than ministries that have turned in to just glorify, glorified, uh, you know, uh, psych classes or motivational speeches. I mean, now, the Bible and the gospel is motivating, amen? The Bible addresses psychology. You understand what I'm saying? But the emphasis has to be on the message of the gospel. I mean, our message, our central message still needs to be Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Folks... That's going to get the job done. Right. It's got the job done from the very beginning. It's going to continue to get the job done. You say, well, so-and-so church has, doesn't really emphasize that. Man, they emphasize this and they emphasize that. And look how they're growing. Did you know that growth and fruitfulness isn't necessarily the same, way, same thing? I, I, I heard years ago, we see this from time to time out here, don't we? I heard about a fellow that uh, he, he was on the way to, uh, to church and he, he, he was commenting on that. He was commenting on the growth of this particular church and of this particular ministry. And he says, Pastor, I think we need to adopt more of their tactics and, you know, uh, they, they don't preach anything that's offensive and they, they don't talk about the blood and they don't talk about hell and they don't preach against adultery and, and fornication and, and these other sins and, and, and boy, they're growing but he said, he, 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 the preacher looked at the man, he and said, he said, I know, he said, you come to church up this certain highway, don't you? He said, have you noticed that deer that's been out there for, uh, for several days out by the highway in the summer heat? He says, yes, I have. He, says, he said, is that deer growing, or is that deer swelling? <laughs> See, there's a difference between growing and swelling, amen? And a fruitful ministry is not, it's not always in the largest numbers. I want large numbers. Why? Because those numbers represent souls, amen? However... The goal ultimately is not how can we get the biggest numbers. The goal is number one, let's stay true to Christ and to the message, and we believe that that will get the job done. We believe that souls will be saved. Amen. Amen. So the spiritual purpose, he says, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech, excellency of wisdom, but I came, there's one thing I know. I mean, he's saying, this is the message I have for you, Corinth. It's the cross of Christ. That's what you need, amen? And and believe me, I think I've already tried to emphasize, it's not that we don't address these other issues. It's not that God's Word doesn't uh, affect every area of our life. I love preaching about those things. But the central message is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's not a popular message because what the cross does is it reminds us of some things. You look at the cross and you have to ask the question, why the cross? Why the cross? We, we see the why the cross because there's a holy God that requires an answer for man's sin. Your sin, my sin, the Son of God had to die. What's that teach us? That teach us, teaches us number one, that God does not accept sin, He judges sin. Number two, it shows us something else. There is, a, uh, there is a punishment. There are consequences for sin. The good news of that is that Jesus paid those consequences. But the bad news is, is that if you're not willing to repent and turn to Christ, you're going to have to face a God and, and His wrath towards sin. And so, therefore, there's some of the things about the cross that, uh, that, that, that are actually offensive if you preach it the way it meant to be preached in the Word of God. I, I remember I heard this illustration years ago about uh, a little girl, and, and, uh, and, and their pastor was a, a fairly large man. And, uh, and, and behind him, just like this cross is behind me this morning, when he would get up to preach, uh, you, would, uh, you wouldn't be able to see the cross when he preached. But one day they had a, a visiting preacher of a smaller stature and the little girl just looked up there and said, what happened to the preacher that hides the cross? And I think there's a lot of preachers today that are hiding the cross, amen? And sometimes it may be because they're too big, right? Because they're too big. And so they're trying to appeal on all these other levels. I mean, I, I, ju- I just, and, and you just bear with me here, but when Paul come to Corinth, you know what he's saying? Paul did not get a survey together. I have nothing wrong with doing a survey, but I believe if we're going to have a fruitful spiritual ministry, I believe we need to let God's Word teach us how to do it. And let those be the guidelines. I mean, in other words, there's those that would teach that here's the way you plan a church. You come to the community, what do you want from church? And then you basically, whatever goes on that list, you check those off and that's what you do. Why? So that way people come to church. Right? Now listen, I have nothing wrong if it's wider parking places and we do a parking parking lot saying, hey, let's do wider parking places. Let's do nice bathrooms. I don't have anything wrong with those things as far as the survey goes. But when the survey says <laughs> ding! All right, when the survey says that uh, you know, well we don't really like pre- hearing about hell that often. Well that that's kind of a well, okay, you know what? We'll take hell out. That's what they do. We don't like hearing about the blood. We uh, and and I, I, this is something that maybe they could be right and I could fix more. We don't like those long sermons. Amen. We don't like the preacher preach. We don't like the preacher raising his voice and, and and all of that. And a preacher don't have to raise his voice and a preacher don't have to preach long. But I'm saying I don't think God meant for us to be, di- for the world to dictate how we reach the world. Amen. Amen? He's given us the gospel. Uh, and again, I want to emphasize, I'm, I'm fine having comfortable chairs, air conditioning, and, and, and there, there's, if there's something that we can do that's, that's against tradition, but that's not violating any principle in the word of God, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Uh, but if it's if if it's if it's going against God's word, man, we can't say, well, the ends justify the means. And ultimately, that's truly what that what's at the heart in a lot of ways of, of what's called the new evangelical movement, to where it really is. Uh, you know, well, brother, you 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 you're no longer preaching the word and you're not standing on truth anymore. Yeah, but look at our numbers. Look at our numbers. And, and that justifies it. It doesn't matter what you preach. It doesn't matter what you allow. You know, I, I, I know a preacher right now in one of these churches, and, and he still claims to be a preacher that literally uh, was, was having an affair with another woman, uh, finally came out, divorced his wife so he could run off with this other woman, and then he went. He no longer pastored, but it was cool because literally within a couple weeks of that, he's up on the platform playing the bass in the church band. And if that shocks you at all, uh, you don't get around much. Because that's, that's, that's as common as grass around here. I mean, as mosquitoes, all right? Uh, you wouldn't believe how that kind of stuff is accepted and tolerated and everything. You say, well, shouldn't you have forgiveness? Yeah, you should have forgiveness. But you don't have something to where you're condoning and encouraging that which is uh, against God Almighty. Amen. All right. I don't, I, I'm not planning on preaching a lot off my nose today, so y'all bear with me, okay? Uh, all right. So the declaration, there's a spiritual purpose, preaching the cross of Christ, Christ preaching what the Bible says. Listen, this, this ministry, this church is certainly not about magnifying me because I'll disappoint you. Don't say amen too loud. I'll disappoint you. Uh, it's not about me. Uh, people say, well, it's your church. Well, it's no more my church than it is your church. It's our church, right? It's not about me. This isn't about Jesse Haley. This is about Jesus Christ. And so it's about him and it's about his message. It's about his truth, okay? So there's a spiritual purpose, but also there's a spiritual power. Notice what the Bible says in verse 3 and 4. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. This is physically. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Paul did not depend on himself. If you imagine Paul as been this great, big, tall, handsome man coming in with this great oratory, oratory voice, I mean, just you're picturing the wrong guy hes I mean, literally, from what we gather from the Apostle Paul, when he walked in the room, you're like, that's the guy? That's the great Apostle Paul? You know what? He was not relying on his good looks. He was not relying. He was a very smart man, but he was not relying on that. He was not relying on his oratory skills. Folks, he was relying on the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible still says, not by strength nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Folks, it is through the Holy Spirit of God. Paul, the, Paul became nothing that Christ might become everything. In later years, Paul brought this up again, and he, he contrasted himself with the false teachers that had invaded Corinth in 2 Corinthians 10. And Paul had learned that when he was weak, he was strong. It's not about his strength. It's about spiritual power. Paul depended on the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, listen, it was not his experience or his ability that gave his ministry its power. It was the work of the Spirit of God. His preaching was a demonstration, not a performance I mean, the demonstration was of the Spirit's power, the Holy Ghost's power. So the foundation of a spiritual ministry is a spiritual purpose. And in other words, it's a spiritual purpose, and that's to declare the truth of the gospel of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. There's a spiritual power that a fruitful ministry must have. The word translated demonstration means legal proof presented in court. (laughs) Pretty solid. It's a good witness, amen. His preaching, his ministry was a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. God used the preaching of God's Word to change lives. Amen. Wicked sinners were transformed by the power of God Almighty. Amen. That's what we need. We need spiritual preaching. We need spiritual power. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. It's not on how well we say it, not on how often we say it, but I'm telling you, all is vain, as the old song says, all is vain, lest the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. The Holy Spirit of God must work through me as the preacher. The Holy Spirit of God must be at work in this church through the lives of the people of God. See, and again, I've already said this, but as he says, I'm not talking about wisdom and, and knowledge and, and so forth that I'm trying to impress you with. We know that there's been great men of God, the, the Spurgeons and, and, and different ones that were great in their knowledge, but it never took away from the preaching of the cross of Christ. It was never, see how smart I am, be impressed with me, and then go on from there. You know, they say for a preacher, I'll just tell you this, this is for me, this is for any preacher that may be listening, that they say that throughout the Bible you see three great things that have caused God's men to fall, three consistent things that if you find a man, that a, a man of God that has fallen in the Bible, oftentimes in the world, he falls into one of three categories. And it's easy to remember, it's girls, gold, and glory, if you want to just alliterate it to remember it. Girls gold and glory. You think about it. I mean, from Solomon to David to, uh, I mean right on down the line, those that were tripped up with women. Then you think about the others that, that like Gideon, that got his eyes on the gold, that wanted possessions. And then you think about the others that want the glory. Oh, they've never committed adultery. They've never stepped out. They've never taken anything anything or been greedy after filthy lucre. But boy, I tell you what, they want the glory. They want this to be Pastor So-and-so's church. And and I've got to be the big uh, Dr. Smell fungus that everybody admires. And I'm I'm the the greatest, Uh, you know, or whatever. But there's girls, there's gold, there's glory. And in this case, Paul's just saying, make sure Christ gets the glory. I guess the point is this, no matter what we're doing, we need to try to be getting people to Christ. Yes, we're trying to grow in knowledge. We want to share wisdom. I I love getting deep into these things, but ultimately the purpose needs to be to get people to Christ and to glorify God, to see God make a difference. And so we see the, uh, the, the demonstration, his attitude was it's not about me, but also we see his aim. Notice verse five, Why am I preaching this way? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It's important that the preaching and the teaching that goes out of this church is uh, uh, is, is in a demonstration of the power of God. In other words, why the aim is this. Your, your reason for believing, what your reason number one for coming here shouldn't be, oh, because Pastor Jesse's so great. Because once you get to know me, you won't be here for long and you might leave, amen? If that's the reason. Uh, but it, th- that can't be the reason. Well, it it, it can't be just, oh, man, the wisdom there is so much. I've got to be founded in that wisdom. No, he said, I want your faith to stand in what God's Word says. Stand in the Word of God, in the power of God Almighty. That's where your faith needs to stand. If we emphasize other things as a ministry, your faith is not going to be founded in the power of God. You know, we we talk a lot about knowledge and so forth. Man, I, one of the things I encourage, and you know it, I appreciate people asking questions. I appreciate people disagreeing uh, with me. Uh, I appreciate all that. Why? Because I don't want I don't want just people to uh, to uh, learn. I want people to learn to learn. Amen. I want people to uh, have a, a desire for the Word of God. I want, by God's grace, I want every member of this church, from the youngest to the oldest. I want every member to believe what they believe based on the Word of God. I want their life to have the power of God. In other words, the, the, the preaching ought to be so, the ministry ought to be so, to where it is directing your hearts to get closer to Him and to stand in the power of God. Man, I don't want to try to put training wheels on people. You know there, there, there's, there there's some preachers that are almost seem to be scared to see their people empowered to serve God and to and and to to serve and to make a difference and and God forbid to even make a decision on their own. But man, I want to see. I, I I said this years ago and it may be misunderstood when I say it again. Uh, well, I want to be a leader of leaders. I want to be a leader of leaders and and that could sound like like the king of kings. Not like that, okay? Bear, listen what I'm saying. Paul told Timothy, he said, The things which I told, committed to you, you need to commit to faithful men that they may teach others also. When I say a leader of leaders, here's what I mean. You are the leaders. I'm leading leaders. We have some people that begin to follow. We turn them into leaders. Amen. How else do we make disciples? Okay. How else do we do that? It's not just about the pastor. It's everyone in this church becoming a leader, being a leader, bringing other people along, leading them, teaching them to be leaders. I mean, that's what I'm talking about, getting something done for God that their faith should stand in the power of God. And so the aim was so that their faith would stand in God's power. So... What do we need by God's grace for a fruitful ministry? We need a spiritual purpose. We need spiritual power. And I guess I kind of got ahead of myself because we need spiritual people. Spiritual people. Notice the transformation. Uh, we'll just read these real quickly. Uh, look at verse number six. The Bible says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That talks about maturity, not sinless perfection. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that, that come to naught. In other words, sound biblical preaching, sound biblical doctrine, the things that we learn in God's Word, it's going to be, the, it's going to be true today, it's going to be true a hundred years from now, it was true a thousand years ago, it's still right. But it goes on to say this, in uh, verse number 7, But we speak the, the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Verse 9, But as it is written, Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. If you've ever heard that applied or interpreted as heaven, that's wrong. Um, I used to do that. I, I, there was a whole set of gospel tracts uh, that I used to have. Every one of them, it seemed like, would go to this verse and talk about man heaven. I have not seen nor ear heard songs sing about it. And, 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 and that's all well and good, but that's not what this verse is talking about. It's talking, but you, how you say, how do you know that? Because it goes on in verse number 9. He says, I have not seen, ears not heard, it's not entered into the heart of man. But, verse 10, God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. So whatever was hidden, that eyes not seen, ears not heard, that hasn't entered into the heart of man, whatever that is, God has revealed that to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now, this is a great message, and I'll probably, again, I told you I want to preach out of these chapters, and I'm just running through this fairly quickly, but think about what's being said here. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard. What is that? That's the five senses. In other words, God, and what was the verse before that? God has things prepared for us from the foundation of the world. But he's saying the, we cannot get that on the five senses, through the five senses. He's saying when he talks about the heart of man, that talks about the soul of man, the the emotional seat of man, our emotions, our intellect. You can't get it there, but you can get what God has for you through the Spirit. God's Spirit working in man's spirit. That's what these verses are saying. So there's a transformation that takes place. Notice what it goes on to say. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Uh, and it goes on. But, it, but, but spiritual people, in other words, there's a transformation. This transformation cannot take place through the five senses. Really, this transformation cannot be uh, experienced just on an emotional or an intellectual level. See, the Bible teaches that mankind, as we are created in the image of God, we are a trinity, as it were, just like many other things in nature that is made up of three parts. Man, when you look around here today, you're not really seeing who's here, are you? Okay, that's gonna sound weird. Let me phrase that differently. When you look on the outside, you don't see, all who I really am, right? I mean, uh, who I really am is in my soul, in my mind, my emotions, my will. That's the soul of man. Everybody, everybody that's ever been born has a body. Everybody has a soul. That's who you are, your mind, your emotions, your will, but every man has a spirit. I said, but every man has a spirit. Also every man has a spirit, but there's a problem. The spirit of man, the Bible says before, we, we are born with a dead spirit. The spirit of man, the Bible said. that's why the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, and you hath he quickened who were dead. Were you physically dead? No. Were you emotionally dead? No. You were spiritually dead. And the spirit of man, the reason I say the Bible says you're spiritually dead, it is through the spirit that we communicate with God. That's our line of communication. That's our connection. That's our our modem or our router or however you want to say it. That's what ties us into God. Have you ever tried to pick up an old rotary phone and try to get internet connection with it? It doesn't have the right equipment, does it? It, but you know why? Because it's not, it's not equipped to pick up those unseen waves that are out there. It's hardwired into this world, but you get a smartphone, it has equip, it's, it's equipped to be able to connect with a world that you can't see. The spirit of man is able to connect with God Almighty. And so before we are saved, we are dead spiritually speaking. But we are trent. We are saved. We are. Our spirit is made alive. You had the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, who in time past walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we've all had our conversation in time past. Uh, you know, in in the in the the. the I was starting to get proud of quoting those verses, and God let me lose it, amen. But, uh, uh, you know, in, in the conversation and in, and in this world and so forth, the, the pleasures of this flesh and the pleasures of this world, we were dead. We were blinded by Satan until verse 4 of Ephesians 2. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. For by grace are you saved. And so he made our spirits alive. The transformation. See, there's a contrast between verses 6 and 8, those that don't receive the wisdom and the power of God and those of verses 9 and 10 who know the word of God, know what God says. Notice what the Bible says here um, and I believe it's verse number 14. The Bible says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. I've got to just emphasize this for a moment. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. See, I believe that receiving, in essence, really is repentance. It is turning to God. We receive Him, but the natural man will not receive uh, God. They will not receive the things of God, the things of the Spirit, That's where many people lie, and that's why there's no transformation. Okay, let me back up to verse number 12 and say a few more things about the working of the Spirit, and then I'll get down and close with the thought of the, continue on the transformation. Why are we transformed by the Spirit of God? Number one, notice verse 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might Uh, know the things that that are freely given to us of God. You want to know something? Every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Everybody who is saved by God's grace has been spiritually awakened, and the Spirit of God comes and takes up residence in our spirits. Now, as a child of God, you can grieve the Holy Ghost of God, you can quench the fire of the Holy Ghost of God, but if you're saved, the Bible says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. The very moment that you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God entered your body and made it His temple. You are a temple of God. He baptized you into Christ. Baptism is identification. He sealed you with the Holy Spirit of promise and He will remain with you. He's God's gift. And I could preach preach a whole message just on what I just said because I had a bunch of verses to go along with each of those. But the bottom line is the Spirit indwells you if you're saved. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of liberty, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Uh, listen, we've, we, because of his working in our lives, we are no longer of this world. Nor have we received the spirit of bondage, according to Romans eight fifteen, because we have a, the spirit of liberty. I like what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so this, every, every child of God has what they need. To be successful, to be transformed, to be all that God wants you to be through the working of the Holy Spirit of God. The problem is, too many of us Christians live on the soul level, not the spirit level. We live on what makes sense to us, we live on our feelings. So, if God's workings at the moment line up with what we think, that happens, doesn't it? God does something, and you're like, man, that makes sense. I get it. Thank you, Lord. You know, intellectually, we can get it. Emotionally, man, we feel great. So, we do good with God, but too many of us, that's where we live. And when all of a sudden things aren't adding up for us intellectually, See, eye hath not seen, ears not heard. It's not entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. So that's why another title for Christians that we'll talk about maybe in the weeks to come is a carnal Christian versus a spiritual Christian. A Christian that that is living on the soul level, not the spirit level. There's a problem with that. But that's where many Christians live. So the Spirit of God indwells every believer, but not every believer is is, is allowing God's Spirit to work and control them. And uh, so the Spirit indwells believers. Number two, the Spirit searches. Uh, Verses 10 and 11, the Bible says, uh, verse uh, 10, the Bible says that the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. You can get to know God on a greater level than you know God right now. And I could say, you may be closer to God right now than you've ever been. And you know what I can say? You can get to know God on a deeper level, every one of us. But we can only do it through the Spirit, working through our emotions, working through our senses, not the other way around. Not working through our senses, working through our feelings, and then that's going to affect us. No, we can never get what God has for us. The Spirit Spirit indwells, the Spirit searches, the Spirit teaches. Notice verse number 13. "...which things also we speak, not in the words which, uh, which man's wisdom teacheth, but that which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual." It's the Holy Ghost of God, the Holy Spirit, that will teach you. Yes, God has ordained teaching and preaching within the church. He says you have no need that no man teach you. That does not mean that he has not ordained teaching and preaching because clearly he has. But what he's saying is, hallelujah, you're saved. You have the same Holy Spirit of God that I have. You have the same Bible that I have. So guess what? We can learn. We can grow. We can get into the meat of God's Word. What, what, did, what, did, what was that contrasted with in Hebrews? Meat versus... Well, he actually says it in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians 2. He said you're either eating meat as Christians or what else are you eating? Milk. Now, what is milk? <laughs> what is milk? Well, you know what milk is? Milk is food. And when the Bible says meat, it doesn't necessarily mean red meat, beef. It just means food. Uh, oftentimes, meat... Strong meat. Sometimes it does mean meat. But the the point I'm trying to make is this. Milk is food that someone else has eaten. We get food from cows. Why? Because they eat food, they digest it, and then we get what's uh, digested, right? So it's basically food that's been digested through somebody else. Am I? Sorry, I feel like I'm uh, losing somebody. I may be losing myself here. Verses. In other words, milk is just simply saying, I can't get it unless somebody else digest it and give it to me. That's what I'm trying to say. Meat is us being able to get into God's word and say, you know what, I can learn this. I can look up this word, I can learn these verses, I can memorize these principles, uh, I can get help from teachers, I can get help from preachers, but I'm glad that you are a child of God. The Bible says you have the unction of the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit indwells, He searches, He teaches, He matures us. Again, read verse number 14, The natural man receiveth not the things of God, of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned I just want to say one more thing about that you're either a natural man you're either a saved man or a lost man or a woman I got a question for you this morning and I'm bringing this to a close are you saved or are you lost have you been born again See, because there are people, because I, the, I'm still on the thought of a fruitful ministry, and I said that we need spiritual, uh, a spiritual purpose, spiritual power, spiritual people. Listen, the ministry of this church is not just about changing religions. It's not just about saying, oh, you know what, I was this religion for a long time, but you know what, I think I like your religion. I, I think I'll just decide to become a Baptist now or become, uh, you know, this or that or the other thing. This church, folks, the ministry of this church can't just be about changing religions. It's not about turning over a new leaf, it's about being saved. Now, understand what I'm saying. We're trying to reach everybody, get them to come here, but when they come here, we want to reach them with the gospel is the point I'm making. In other words, we don't want to just say, oh yeah, come change your religion and come. No, just come and let Christ change your heart. Amen? I would like to introduce you to Christ. I'm, I'm not handing you a creed that you need to sign off on and, uh, and go through a set of classes so that you can become a Christian. No, no, no. I'd like to introduce you to a person. <laughs> Please come. I would like to introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that's the purpose. That's what I'm, we see what I'm trying to get at. It's not just about saying, yeah, I think, man, this seems like a cool place. I think I'll go. That's cool if people come here initially for that. It's nice people. It's good people. Whatever else, that's good. We, we, but I'm saying, ultimately, we want people to be saved. Amen. I mean, in order, to, in order to be baptized, listen, some people just say, yeah, I'd like to come and be baptized. Not until you get saved. Amen. You got to be saved first. You got to trust Christ. And no, baptism is not salvation. Baptism does not save you. You follow the Lord in baptism. And by the way, I believe for the the seasons out, we might just go go out and have a baptism in the pool like we had a couple years ago. Um, Here in a couple weeks, amen, then have a pool party afterwards. Kidding on that part. Uh, But but no, listen, you don't just go, I think I'd like to get baptized. My question is always, have you been saved? Have you been saved? Because otherwise, listen, the the heart of the matter is you're a sinner. We're all born sinners. Well, what if I get baptized? Then you'll be a wet sinner. But if you get saved, you'll be a saved sinner. You'll be a saved sinner. Amen. You don't become perfect, but, but, but positionally in Christ, you are a saint now once you get saved. But I hope you understand the point that I'm trying to make. Are you saved? Oh, I want to be a part, of, I want to be, I, I'd like to be a Christian, Are you? or I've been a Christian my whole life. Have you been saved? Are you saved? If you're not saved, you need to be saved. It's a spiritual ministry. It's a fruitful ministry. And then the Spirit of God will mature, the, the, the believer as well, and I'll, I'll close with this one. If you're not saved, get saved. But if you are saved, continue to grow in the Spirit. Don't be a carnal Christian. Be a spiritual Christian. What does it mean to be spiritual? I'm going to have to kind of not spend the time I'd like to, but again, I think I'll revisit these chapters. But he says in verse 15, But he that is spiritual, verse 15, judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Um, I preached the whole message on this Wednesday night in Custer, more on verse 15. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. Now, I kind of like that verse a little bit when somebody says, doesn't the Bible say thou shalt not judge? Number one, it doesn't say thou shalt not judge. It does say judge righteous judgment, and it does say be careful that when you judge, know that it'll be measured back to you again. But this verse isn't about being critical, right? Because when we think of judging, some people think of just being critical all the time. He that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. What that literally carries the idea of is judging in the sense that you may judge a piece of property that you may judge livestock, that you may judge a house. We don't call it, we don't use the word judge too often. We call it appraising. We call it appraising. In other words, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. In other words, we, everything, everything that we encounter in our life, we think, how much is that worth? Is it worth it? That's why when we're tempted to sin, we think to ourselves, you know what? Not worth it. That costs more than I'm willing to pay. That's why, see, we judge all things. That's why we judge church as essential, right? We judge church as important. Why is that? Because we're looking at it from a spiritual standpoint. We judge all things. We're appraising things. That's why, that's why we look at our finances and say, you know what, it is worth it. It is a good investment to give to the Lord and to give to missions and so forth, right? I mean, we, that, that's how we look at things. It's a good investment to uh, invest into my kids and try to get, we judge all things. We're appraising what things cost. And when we're spiritual, we're able to do that. And by the way, uh, we all grow in that. We, I think all of us that have been saved any amount of time have learned more and more to appraise things. And there are some things that we started figuring out real soon were not of any value in our lives. And we started adding some other things to our life that we realized were of more value. But here, you want to know something? We're going to keep doing that until Jesus comes. But that's what a spiritual person is. A spiritual person, the Holy Spirit of God works in us. Verse number 16 talks about how he works with his word. We have the mind of Christ. And we judge all things. We appraise all things. We uh, appraise them based not, that's why he said, we don't have the spirit of the world. We have the spirit of Christ that is based on the word of God. So what do we need as we celebrate our ninth year, as we go into a 10th year? You know what it is? Man, to have a fruitful ministry by God's grace, we need to continue to have a spiritual purpose. We thank God for the physical blessings we see around us, but there's a spiritual purpose behind it, is there not? Amen. I mean, listen, we need spiritual power. It's through the Holy Spirit. And number three, we need spiritual people. We need people who are willing to allow God to fill them and use them and, I mean, make a difference for time and eternity. Let's all stand, please, and we'll be dismissed in just a moment.